0: On May 19, 1990, a 19 year old in Madison, Wisconsin, returns home to make lunch and leaves abruptly to go back to work. It is the last time his parents ever see him again. A few days later, his car is found in an abandoned home in Chicago, Illinois. What exactly? You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Chad Mauler.
1: Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, Coacher Rocher, how you been there, bub?
0: Been all right. Well, we good week, I guess.
1: We got us a new uh, five, not five star. We got us a new patron.
0: We gotta love those.
1: Priscilla Tatum at the three dollar tier. Priscilla, when you hear this, your decal will be on its way. And Miss Faria, yours is somewhere out in the abyss, trying to make it to you. So, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else here, Slappy?
0: Not at the moment. Other than we're going to be redoing a case that we did not do justice the first time because of brand new equipment, and we didn't know how to use it, so it sounded terrible. So, I doubt anybody listened to it. So, hopefully, we can give this young man some justice that he deserves. If not, oh, well. We tried
1: we gave it the old. We
0: really tried this time,
1: college try. So on Friday, May nineteenth, nineteen ninety, just after twelve p.m., Chad Mauer came home for lunch at his home in Monona, a suburb ber, 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 of Madison, Wisconsin. He lived on Simpson Street, and he was going to make a couple of sandwiches during his lunch break. He was working at a bike shop, which was named the Village Peddler in Madison. Just before he left to go back to work, Chad asked his father for 20 bucks to fill up his dad's yellow 1968 Ford Mustang that he was driving. Chad was in a hurry, like always, and drove back to the shop to finish his shift. It was just a two-mile drive that took less than 10 minutes. About an hour and a half after Chad left, his mother, Dolly, and... His father, John, decided to make a trip to the hardware store in town. Now, the hardware store was located across from the bike shop. When they arrived, they noticed that the Mustang that Chad left in was not at work. Both Dolly and John entered the bike shop to see if Chad was there. The store was packed. The owner had a line of customers that he was helping, so the Mowers decided to look around and see if they could find Chad. Not finding him after a few minutes, they asked the owner if Chad was there the owner told Dolly and John that he believed that he had to be helping a customer in the back of the store so yeah
0: he, he made the comment they said is Chad here his car's not outside he's like he better be yeah
1: <laughs> I got all these I got all these people in line and he and I'm helping he better be so Dolly stated that Chad had just started oh, working
0: hold on that this is very strange how big? and busy could this bike shop possibly be that the owner is not aware that one of his workers is not there?
1: That's a million-dollar question because, I mean, the way I understood it, reading the the articles and stuff, was Chad was the only one working with him that day, was he not?
0: I don't know. that. I don't know.
1: And it wasn't a very big store. It was, I mean, your average... I don't know. I guess like a standalone Ace Hardware, maybe. Dolly stated that Chad had just started working there just two days earlier, and she wasn't about to cause a scene and get Chad in trouble. Chad loved bicycles and loved talking about them and seeing all the new bikes in the store. Chad raced and enjoyed doing stunts on his BMX, and the Mowers decided that they would just leave the store and go back home. According to Dolly... She knew something wasn't right and stated in a later interview she had a gut feeling and couldn't sleep but on and off a few hours that night.
0: Yeah, I mean, your 19-year-old son is not at work like he's supposed to be, and he does not come home that night. Yeah. I wouldn't be sleeping either.
1: And it's 1990.
0: a gut feeling that something's wrong. Something's wrong.
1: Yeah, it's 1990. There's not any cell phones, so he's not calling to say, hey, I'm on my way home. So Dolly's made it clear to the media, even though Unsolved Mysteries did not put it in their episode, that her son partied quite a bit. He liked to drink, he liked to smoke pot, and according to some of his friends, he even tried LSD a few times. Regardless of his drug use, walking off the job and disappearing all night was not something that Chad would do or had ever done.
0: Not to be a spoiler, but I don't want to forget his toxicology report is going to be negative for drugs and negative for alcohol. So that's not a, that's not the case here. No. Well, partier or not, he hadn't partied a whole lot because there was no drugs in his system.
1: Now, now alcohol
0: don't stay there for very long, but...
1: Now, he was an ambitious star athlete, but predictable, and not a loose cannon, she would tell the media. This was not in his nature. Both his mother and father knew that. And still... He was a teenager, so maybe he may have seen some friends at the bike shop and they started hanging out or maybe he caught up with a girl and they headed out and he lost track of time. But by the time that Dolly got up at 6.30 a.m. the next morning, she still had not heard from Chad. At 7.30, she started calling his friends one by one. She got the same answer each time they were surprised that Chad was out all night and hadn't bothered to at least check in.
0: No no doubt.
1: Now, his friends and family called back throughout the day to see if Dolly had heard anything, but there was still no word from Chad. Sunday came and went without any conversation, word, anything from Chad. And it would be the last night that Dolly and John would lie down to get a little bit of sleep thinking that their child was alive. Because on Monday, May 21st of 1990, the Mowers still hadn't heard from Chad. And while the worst had crossed their minds, it was just something that couldn't happen. And had it, they would have heard something by now, they felt like. After all, it had been three days, and certainly, if he had been in a car wreck, or if he had been arrested in another town, or found dead somewhere, Dolly and John would have already received a call. One thing you, I would,
0: I if I were them, I'd be losing my mind.
1: One thing that police and the Mowers had considered was that Chad had been planning on saving just a few thousand dollars and moving to Boulder, Colorado. Perhaps Chad got a wild hair up his rear and decided that he was going to take his father's Mustang and just head to Colorado and deal with the consequences later, But, but. That would be so against his character. Right, right. right. And that's what everybody had said, that, he, you know, he was very predictable in his routine, and he was really a good kid when it came to his parents. Later that evening on May 21st, the phone did ring, and John, the father, answered it, and it was the Chicago Police Department. And so John, assuming that the biggest thing was he's probably in jail, so he says is Chad in, is Chad in jail for what John assuming the best at this juncture asked the voice on the other end of the phone before they could finish the voice on the other end said your son is dead brutal cold straight to the point
0: and if you're wondering Madison, Wisconsin to Chicago with tolls is a two hour and 36 minute drive in current traffic for 147 miles <laughs> With no tolls, you have to go through Milwaukee, and it's three hours and three minutes, but there's no tolls. So, if, I mean, his car's in Chicago with him. So if he drove with tolls, I mean, did they? Well, maybe there weren't tolls then.
1: It in is, the 90s, I don't know if those toll roads were in there.
0: Years, it is 32 years ago. Yeah.
1: The voice on the other end said carbon monoxide poisoning. He killed himself. And John was in disbelief because Chad had just turned 19 10 days prior.
0: So now you you might think that that police officer was just cold and cold as ice and insensitive, but that's a Chicago police officer. This ain't the first time he's encountered a dead body. You know what I mean?
1: And it's probably not the first time he's had to call someone, but he could have a little bit better bedside manners. Especially if you're calling. Now, I could see him being cold if it was somebody from Chicago. But, I mean, you're calling somebody way out of town. So, But anyway.
0: Yeah, but he's probably so grizzled or desensitized at this point that.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It didn't even occur to him to have any tact or mindfulness. He probably just, you know, it might not even been the first dead body he saw that week.
1: Or that day. So the specific area Chad was found in is Wentworth Gardens. And despite having several large schools on the next block, the Wentworth Gardens neighborhood, along with Chinatown and Bridgeport, are part of the Armour Square area of Chicago's south side. And if you know anything... And as we
0: know from Bad Bad Leroy Brown. That's right. South side of Chicago.
1: And where you want to be bad found.
0: part of town.
1: Now, while Wentworth has had a facelift in the last couple of years, it remains one of the rougher areas of Chicago. In 1989, it had the highest concentration of the city's homicides with 166 murders in the neighborhood of Armour Square alone. It was known to be severely drug-infested, largely due to the number of schools in the area, the high population density, and its proximity to downtown. Throughout the 90s, it was a drug paradise. You could literally walk a block or two in any direction or on any given day and get anything illegal that you wanted with ease. So Monday, May 21st, 1990, a maintenance worker had just arrived to work on the 3300 block of South Michigan Avenue in the Wentworth Gardens neighborhood. Based on news reports, the maintenance team for several of the apartment buildings in that neighborhood utilized a garage to store additional materials and to work on larger projects because the garage had electricity inside. Shortly after the maintenance worker arrived, he pulled into the alley to access the garage and noticed the lock had been broken off, so he immediately rolls the garage door And inside finds a yellow 1968 Ford Mustang that was in mint condition with both doors unlocked.
0: Nice, nice car.
1: Now, when the maintenance worker looks inside the Mustang, he sees a young man lying halfway between the front and back seat. The car had bucket seats, leaving his lower torso and legs over the center console, which in the 1968 Mustang was a parking brake. Now, media reports are unclear if the worker simply tapped on the window or actually opened the car door and touched Chad to see if he was alive. Either way, Chad was unresponsive and the worker called the Chicago PD. Now, during the Unsolved Mysteries reenactment, it shows the maintenance worker trying to open the passenger door, but it was locked. That is not true. Both doors were unlocked when the maintenance driver found Chad.
0: Are you sure? Because on the Unsolved Mysteries, one of the detectives claims that the doors were locked.
1: Right. And we'll get into that. But the maintenance worker is telling everybody that would listen that they were unlocked. Gotcha. So now the Chicago Police Department arrived to discover Chad basically dead inside his father's Mustang. Chicago PD detective Lynn Garman was one of the investigators assigned to the case the ignition to the car was still in the own position the gas tank was empty and the battery was dead detectives also noted bloody fingerprints smudged on one of the car's windows also in the driver's seat was a windbreaker jacket which at the time investigators thought was chad's before the body was removed from the vehicle Homicide investigators determined that Chad had killed himself by carbon monoxide poisoning. No autopsy needed. We see the kid. There's an empty gas tank. The battery's dead. He's in a garage. He killed himself with carbon monoxide poisoning. Wrap it up, boys. We're going to the house. Now, the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office supported the homicide investigator's conclusion. While they noted a few, quote, minor injuries to Chad's hands, they stated the teen was in overall good health and physical shape, showing no signs of trauma. His cause of death was listed as, quote, probable suicide. Roy Dames, a chief administrator for Cook County, would double down on his office and Chicago Police Department's conclusions a year and a half later in December of 91 in an article in the Chicago Tribune stating, quote, the pathologist handled it perfectly. Well, his definition of perfect and your definition of perfect probably are not the same thing. No, definitely not. Because when Chad's body was returned to his parents for burial at the Gunderson Funeral Home in Monona, Wisconsin, as the mowers were making arrangements, Dolly and John were able to view their son's body for the first time. This is when they discovered that Chad's death was far from a clear case of suicide. Chad had injuries consistent with either being in a fight or sustaining other trauma. According to the Mowers and the funeral home director, Chad's knuckles and fingers were busted up and he had numerous bruises on his face. The funeral home reported that Chad had significant bruising to his groin. Now, Even
0: more than that, they're going to report that his clothes were soiled. And they're going to take the parents back to where the, the clothes were stored. They're going to show they had the blood stains pretty much all over them.
1: Now, the Dane County Sheriff's Office in Madison would start a separate investigation with the Madison Police Department assisting in the investigation. On May 25th, of 1990, the funeral for Chad was held, but Dane County Coroner Ray Wasepka requested that his burial be postponed until a pathologist and evidence tech from the Madison Police Department examined the body and crime scene photos. There are really no words to describe or convey how John Maurer must have felt hearing from the Chicago Police Department that his son had killed himself with his Mustang using the $20 he gave him for gas inside some random garage in a drug-infested neighborhood in Chicago. What is troubling is without an ounce of compassion or integrity, the worst possible news was delivered to the Maurers. Now, according to Damian Moore, who wrote an in-depth article covering this case for American Crime Journal, he states, quote, while some may want to argue that any delivery would be considered cold or lifeless, or perhaps it's just how John remembered it over the years, truth is this is more common than not with the Chicago Police Department. This is not a single instance where an investigator had a bad day or came off wrong to a victim's family. No, this was not a single instance demonstrating a lack of training or just miscommunication. It's the culture within the Chicago Police Department. Their typical attitude of, quote, how dare another foreigner come to our great city of Chicago, end up where they don't belong, and get killed, end quote. You know as well as I do, and if you've been listening for a while, you know that we call out shitty police work anytime we smell it. And... The problem I have is not, a lot of people hang there. oh, they were so cold when they called and told them I yeah, it yeah, it was cold. But, I mean, that's not what we're going to dwell on here. We're talking about the fact that, according to this man that wrote this article for the American Crime Journal, that what happened in Chad's case happens all the time in Chicago, or did in the late 80s, early 90s.
0: Well, they just want they want their cases closed, man. They don't want murder investigations if they don't have to have them. Right. They want them closed.
1: Now, the Chicago Police Department and the Cook County Medical Examiner Office maintained for almost two years that the Maurer investigation was a hundred percent by the book, typical, and the Mowers were just another example of parents who went on a fringe chase because they couldn't swallow their child's suicide. Now, keep in mind that we're not talking about a rural county sheriff's office, but we are speaking of the Chicago Police Department. This is an agency that sees and investigates more murders every year than the Los Angeles and New York offices combined, with their main and support staff larger than most federal agencies and corporations. Again, quoting Mr. Moore, who wrote the articles, he says... There isn't a monopoly on brain power in the organization, only integrity. As far back as I can remember, I've witnessed countless press conferences with the police department, superintendent, the mayor, members of their staffs, investigators, and numerous other city officials who have come and gone since. Answer questions with questions. Make snide remarks and spin corrupt and criminal behavior using jest and quid pro quo. They'll offer wonderful advice like don't come here to buy drugs and you won't get killed or when you play with fire, you get burned. Oversimplified, drunken, and reckless grandfatherly advice. Most Chicagoans and outsiders alike are simply amazed at the comment and attitude that oozes from the city officials. Truth is, it is very comical except the circumstances are far too tragic and it really is not the time or place. It is not professional nor is it compassionate. Thoughts and prayers, but hey, they got themselves killed around here. We call it natural causes. When people drive to Chicago to buy drugs and get killed, that's suicide. Maybe natural causes, but whatever we call it, ultimately it was their choice. Moral of the story, don't come to Chicago and buy drugs and expect us to clean it up. Mommy and Daddy need to look in the mirror if they want to be mad. Chicago Police Department and City Hall is notorious for posturing themselves as being inconvenienced and city officials put themselves as the real victims. Certainly not the victims. They're dead and we gotta deal with this shit. Get it? This is a police department notorious for guilt-tripping residents and spinning crime as the community's fault for not trusting them and snitching making their job easier. They shouldn't have to investigate crime and do all that paperwork. You should go to the prosecutor's office yourself and press charges or make a citizen's arrest. Why use the police? When you could probably do it yourself. Maybe if you didn't buy drugs or your kids, then it wouldn't fuel street violence. Then again, if gun manufacturers didn't make guns and people didn't buy drugs, then nobody would die. Certainly if some foreigner of the city didn't come here to buy large quantities of good dope for a good price, then they wouldn't get killed. Every time some tourist gets whacked, it just makes us look bad. I swear they come up here and do that shit on purpose. Now let's go up to Chicago to get killed so we can fuck up a few aldermen's poll numbers. And that is a, um, I would say that that is an editorial by Mr. Moore. So the sad truth is that John and Dolly were owed more compassion and understand since understanding since they weren't from Chicago and neither was Chad. Now, if you don't feel that way, I mean, we're going to have people on both sides of the fence. I just feel like that since they weren't from Chicago, a little bit more compassion should have been given. And like coach said, you don't know what that detective had gone through, how many dead bodies he had seen, how many days straight he had been working. So, Honestly,
0: I do think that needs to be considered. Yeah, that guy's an asshole. Like, well you spend 20 years on a homicide and see if you ain't a little desensitized.
1: Now, one thing that we have talked about in the past is anytime someone is found dead in America, even if the cause is blatantly obvious to even a waitress at the Waffle House, it is to be treated as a homicide until the medical examiner makes a determination that proves otherwise. What should have taken place in this case before they determined a suicide, was to actually, I wouldn't say canvas the area, but really start looking around the area, start asking people if they had seen this yellow Mustang come in and out, see if anybody was a witness, interview people that knew Chad from back home, even if it was by phone, find out who was the last person to see him, what was he wearing, see if he did have injuries, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but the neighborhood canvassing where his car was found. You're not going to find many people that are going to be willing. No, to no, no,
1: him. no. Yeah. And I knew that that's what I was saying. It's not really a canvas of the area, but I mean, if you saw anybody sit, you know, standing around gawking, you could have been like, Hey man, did you see anything? And of course you're not going to get anything, but they could have called home and asked, you know, his, his boss. I mean, but anyway.
0: I saw a thing that was a little comedy skit and this woman was a reporter and she asked this guy, she's like, you see anything strange in the area? And he goes, Is that her mic? She said, Yeah. He goes, Is that camera on? She said, Yeah. He goes, goes, man, I ain't seen nothing. I ain't even been here. I don't I don't live in this neighborhood. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm 40% blind in my left eye and I'm 60% blind in my right. And I can't even see who you are, mister. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now the Chicago Police Department's approach was that this was just another suburban white kid in a black neighborhood up to no good, and his parents should have raised him better. Now keep in mind the FBI.
0: Harsh, right there too.
1: Yeah, the FBI has flown in seasoned Chicago police detectives to help them with kidnappings and murderers, not because of their education, but because of their expertise. Basically, they've seen if. You know, the old thing, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. (laughs) What should have happened is that maybe if you think he was going to commit suicide, you might have wanted to investigate, was he suicidal?
0: Well, here's one huge question I would have is if you are suicidal, why are you going to drive all the way to Chicago?
1: In the worst part of town.
0: A nearly three-hour drive just to commit suicide.
1: When you could have done it in rural Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, you could have done it anywhere.
1: Chad had actually been buried before Chicago Police Department and I think it's Cook County released the uh, toxicology report. So let's go back to the actual investigation going on in Dane County, Wisconsin. On May 25, 1990, the funeral for Chad was held at the Gunderson Funeral Home, but Dane County Coroner Ray Wasepka requested that his burial be postponed until a pathologist and evidence technician from the Madison Police Department examined the body and take crime scene photos. While acknowledging that Chad was an avid bike racer, athlete, and competitor, Ray would come to the conclusion that Chad had been involved in some kind of confrontation. The Chicago Police Department and Cook County Medical Examiner refused to treat Chad's death as a murder. And while initially the cause of death was withheld, they came to the conclusion that it was probable suicide. Now, with the suicide ruling, it doesn't go against the city as another murder, and they don't have to commit resources to the case. According to the Dane County Coroner, Chad's body bore 24 different scars. It noted injuries to his hands and knuckles, a cut lip, bruising to his face, and significant bruising to his groin area. There was blood splatter on his shirt and skid marks on his pants.
0: That proves nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That proves that he's a dude.
1: That's true. That's true. One key piece of evidence not released to the public initially was the discovery of some suspected bloody fingerprints on the driver's side window. Now we get to Coach's favorite part of this whole thing.
0: The toxicology report?
1: No. Your second ah. favorite. Ah. A jacket was recovered from the driver's seat of the Mustang.
0: It was not recovered. You got that info wrong, pal. L-
1: okay, let me reword that. A jacket was found was by injured. the Chicago Police Department. Wrong again. And Would you the like mind. Please tell you what happened. Please, by all means. Okay,
0: they took crime scene photos, and the jacket was seen in the passenger seat in the crime scene photo. And when the parents saw it, they claimed that that A was not his jacket. He didn't even bring a jacket, and they don't know whose jacket that is. However, no jacket was recovered, and a detective claims that they couldn't retrieve that jacket because the doors were locked. But between the crime scene and the toe, the jacket come up missing. You're welcome.
1: Thank you for clearing <laughs> that all up. Because my next two sentences were the same thing.
0: No, no. Well, you got it all wrong. You said recovered.
1: Photographed. There you go. Look at this photograph.
0: I'm all about accuracy.
1: I know you are, buddy. Trust me. (laughs) Now, David Slife, a good friend of Chad, and according to an article written by the Capital Times of Madison in a June 4th, 1990 interview, stated that Chad and David had played tennis the day before, and basically David is telling this reporter, I don't believe he committed suicide, and you will never get me to believe he committed suicide. And he says, quote, Chad wanted to race mountain bikes in Colorado. He was putting away money and had his future planned. End quote. So even his friend, good friend that he hung out with, raced... Uh, Bikes with knew that he was not suicidal the day before when they played tennis and he was still talking about going to Colorado
0: see and like when it comes to people that commit suicide in most cases people don't see it coming but once it happens they look back and see the signs that they missed you know what I'm saying? correct like oh I should yeah. yeah Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Yeah. 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 There's none of that with Chad.
1: No, because they, from everything that I have read about him, his personality was he was just an outgoing, good kid that was very athletic and loved to race bikes and play sports. So for the past thirty years, the running conclusion is that Chad skipped work in the middle of his shift, drove to the sketchiest part of Chicago to buy drugs, and encountered foul play. So the biggest. wrong with that theory for myself not only is it him skipping work he was on his second day of the job and supposedly he was in heaven working at that bike shop because he loved to race bikes
0: yeah if you're an avid bike rider like it'd be like me getting a job at a brewery
1: right (laughs) he would always be at work
0: I'm not skipping work on the second day I'm like you need overtime boss I'll put in some overtime
1: yeah And so people are trying to make his family and friends believe that Chad just got a wild hair up his ass and decided, I'm going to go purchase a large amount of drugs from somebody in Chicago, which is three hours away. Now, one thing that we learned is that there is a group of criminals that are like clockwork for snitching and turning states' evidence. And those are drug addicts. Now, for someone to say that Chad, a suburban white boy, arriving one Friday night in a pristine 1968 yellow Mustang with cash in hand ended up dead and not a single snitch for the Chicago Police Department didn't know about it, makes it hard for me to swallow.
0: Well, here's the theory, though, that, would I, that goes along with that is the fact that he was friends with some people in his neighborhood that were known to do drugs or also formerly from the south side of Chicago. Now, if you'll grant me some leeway, it's rumored that he was tricked into going to Chicago to get drugs for them. What if I said that during his lunch break, because he went to his house, made two sandwiches, and ran out, maybe he had enough time to go to those friends to quote-unquote buy drugs. The incident occurred there, and they drove chad to chicago
1: true i like this i like where you're going
0: if you watch unsolved mysteries they infer that he went to chicago to buy drugs for them i think it's the opposite i think he went to them to buy drugs the incident happened there they drove him to chicago because i mean think about it if they stashed the car somewhere in madison
1: it would be found yeah because that Yeah, that's going to stick. That yellow Ford Mustang, probably everybody down there in that little town is going to know it's Chad's dad's. Another rumor was, it kind of goes with yours, was that Chad was paid to make two trips from Madison to Milwaukee to transport drugs for these two friends. And like the way you said it, it's kind of theorized, kind of backhanded, depicted that this pristine white boy is going to drive From Wisconsin to Chicago, and he's their pipeline for drugs in Wisconsin.
0: Plus, that's a nice
1: car, man. It's a very nice car. Even in 1990, that was a car to die for.
0: I'm just saying, if I'm a drug dealer in Chicago, I probably know somebody that could use that car. You know, maybe a chop shop. Yeah. other way i'm not i'm just saying i'm taking that car right it's just too it's just too nice of a car
1: i agree a hundred thousand percent
0: but if they were had if they knew chad i think it's more likely they would not take the car you, you know what i'm trying to
1: say Does yeah yeah, yeah, yeah because they don't I know like, right no i like i know what you're trying to say basically Two idiots drive him up there, don't know anybody in Chicago, find this place, dump him, and they get home somehow. But what people are trying to say is that he, white bread, Wisconsin, drove in this pristine car, bought drugs, a drug dealer killed him, and the drug dealer stashed that in a rolled-up Chicago alleyway. But, like you said, Anybody and everybody in Chicago is going to know somebody that can chop that thing up and make a mint off of it.
0: I mean, at the very least, somebody could use that engine. True. I mean,
1: honestly. So Chad's dad would go and give many interviews and tell the public that he believed that Chad might have been murdered prior to being put in the garage. Now, the autopsy report showed that the level of carbon monoxide in Chad's body was 74%, which seems to indicate he was already unconscious when he started inhaling it.
0: Yeah, because they claim that if, when it's a typical suicide, they find the, the concentration to be about 50%. And their logic is, which, you know, they're a lot smarter than us, is the fact that you tend to breathe a whole lot deeper when you're already asleep or unconscious Correct. than you do when you're awake. Therefore, that's why you would see the higher concentration.
1: Now, nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, out of the park. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> now, there are some camps out there that state that there is evidence that show that he was likely dragged into the Mustang at one point, tossed inside on the driver's seat, and then someone shoved him over so they could get in and drive. There's people that pose the questions, did whoever do this to Chad drive? Was their motive to steal the car? Were they trying to mug him? Did they just beat the shit out of him? But my whole, the whole thing that doesn't make any sense is the three hours to Chicago. If you catch him in Madison, why drive him to Chicago?
0: Like I said, just get get as far away as you can from the crime scene, and that's where they knew because that's where they were from. They, they might have said, hey, we know people in this neighborhood. Let's go talk to them, and if they're like, hey, man, do you know a place we could stash this car? And they're like, yeah, man, there's a abandoned house like three blocks away.
1: Now, there are some people out there that say that the injuries to his hands are are being scrutinized too much because he was an avid BMX rider and racer. I kind of get that, but my thing is for the funeral home director to say, hey, look, y'all don't need to bury him because he's got problems. His parents would have known of his bike accidents, I guess is my thing. But... I don't know. Some of you may be thinking, what the fuck? But racing bikes with pedals. Yes. Back in the day, it was the thing. In the late 80s, early 90s, that was it. A lot of people. I
0: mean, there were several movies they made about it.
1: Yes. And the thing is, racing bikes brought everybody together. Your stoners raced bikes, your delinquents raced bikes, your preps raced bikes or had good bikes and they all hung out together. Yeah, some of his injuries could be consistent with wiping out on a bike, but when you wipe out or flip your bike, your hands get trashed. You instinctively try to break your fall, and a lot of times you smash your hands into handrails, the walls, the ground, etc. But keep in mind, Chad competed and so he probably spent a shit ton of time on his bike and probably tried more stunts than the average rider would have, which means he would have had more injuries, but those injuries would have been older. A lot of people try to say that the bruising around his groin was from a bike wreck. And countless times people wreck doing jumps and attempting to do tricks, causing injuries to their groin. The bar to the frame of a bike for males is inches away from keeping most males from reproducing. And any guy that grew up riding bicycles and didn't injure himself attempting to do some kind of BMX stunt, well, we don't call them guys because they didn't happen. It's not true. I know many of people that were not bike racers that tried to build homemade ramps, and there's broken arms, there's busted...
0: try to jump i never built a ramp but if it was a ramp shaped
1: (laughs) if it was a naturally occurring ramp
0: like a ditch yeah (laughs) culvert a speed bump (laughs) i tried to jump it
1: so now we get to the suicide theory keep in mind that most folks who attempt or successfully do commit suicide sometimes don't have a rational reason uh even people with a history of depression and mental illness often in the weeks or days leading up to their actual suicide are described as, quote, at their best, quote, at their happiest. You know, parents will sometimes say, for the first time, my son, daughter didn't seem conflicted or troubled. And there's countless articles about written by professionals who claim that this is a side, this is a sign that a suicidal person is actually going to go through with the deed.
0: Well, when I was in college and took a few psychology classes, I do remember them saying that when you're in your lowest depths of depression is not the highest risk for suicide. It's when you're actually coming out of it. Just, you know, like you've gone as as far down as you can go, but all of a sudden you come back up just a little bit. They may think, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to. I don't want to be as sad as I was like, right. I, can't, I can't go back to that. So they just do it. Yeah.
1: I for one, don't believe Chad was going to commit suicide. Um, but people do rational things.
0: Well, here's the thing is most people that commit suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning don't have scraped knuckles. Don't have bruises on their face. Don't have blood on their shirt. But maybe he got into a scuff, maybe he got into a scuffle and was that's it I fuck I'm tired of this. I can't do this anymore I, I I'm not I'm not this person. I'm not a drug dealer or what you know whatever, and then decided to commit suicide.
1: Well, the only thing I could think of on the suicide level would be that he fucked up so bad that he could not face his parents, but again, or maybe.
0: He, okay, let's put it. Let, let's say this. He went to Chicago to buy drugs. He got robbed of a substantial amount of money. And now he owes those people in Wisconsin this money he doesn't have. And therefore he goes, screw it, I'm done. I'm not going to deal with the consequences back home. I, I mean, that's possible.
1: That is possible. But again, to shoot holes in your theory, you're not going to, I don't know.
0: Good job. Yeah. I don't I
1: had a whole train of thought there and it kind of went out the window, but anyway.
0: but I'm just saying, I mean that
1: that is was, po- I mean that is possible. He could have gotten the shit beat out of him. But again, though, I guess my thing is if you're going to beat the shit out of a kid like that and you're some hardened drug dealer in Chicago, I'm thinking they take the car. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I mean, well, if you a kick
0: car, a car's going to get reported stolen at some point.
1: Correct, but... If you
0: leave Chad on the side of the road and you take his car, what do you think the first thing he's going to do? He's going to report that car stolen. If he's alive, he's reporting that car stolen. No?
1: Yeah, true, true. I agree. Going back to the whole Chicago thing, unless Chad had some kind of connection or love for the city, why was he there other than the drug angle? One thing that like we have kind of stated hypothetically earlier was that this probably was a staging that whoever did this to Chad probably knew of that area and knew how to get, make it look like he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now there is something that is not right with the whole story from start to finish between his parents and police Nobody found it odd that Chad went back to work at the Village Peddler after lunch. His parents arrive an hour and a half later, and the owner, George Godfrey, doesn't know if he is there or not.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you went back to that, because I kind of forgot to, I meant to go back to it, but I forgot. Yeah, the statement, is he, where's Chad? Is he here? He better be. He's probably in the back helping a customer. I refuse to believe that this is a Walmart super center bike shop.
1: Right. That's what I, that's what I was trying to say, you know, earlier on in the, when we started this was I got a feeling and I've not seen photos of the actual bike shop, but I got a feeling it's not much bigger than like a mom and pop hardware store. It, and
0: it's, it's all main street. So I mean, right. Think the, of yeah. Your, think of your typical main street, you know, the size of those buildings, they're not huge.
1: No, I think I of the studio that we are.
0: That man did not know that his worker was not there.
1: Yeah. And so the other thing that's kind of odd is the owner, George Godfrey, doesn't know whether or not his worker's there. And then what's even stranger is a week later, the bike. Wait, wait,
0: wait. he's yeah, he's going to make a statement in a, in, a, in a paper about it. I'm not sure exactly what the statement is, but yeah, go ahead with what you were going to say.
1: The bike shop is shot up in a drive-by shooting.
0: No other business is is vandalized, but there's two shots shot into the the bike shop to bust out a window. That's a clear-cut message. Yes. You need to shut the up.
1: Old George don't sound like he's being real honest with anybody. The Mowers, the media, the police. Because... I'm just going to throw this out there. Have you ever been on a job and your boss not know whether your ass came back from lunch or not? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Especially with it being your second day on the job. How did good old George not know where Chad had been in the hour and a half he was gone until Chad's parents showed up in his little shop? Not once did Chad's parents ever say that Old George called to their house and said something like most bosses would be like, "Hey, where the fuck is Chad? He went to lunch and some bitch ain't come back yet."
0: Well, I would give him benefit of the doubt. Second day on the job, he probably Old George probably didn't have Chad's parents' number memorized, or maybe didn't even have it at all.
1: Shit, he's got it on on an application. You don't know that? I know nineteen
0: ninety. I know everything.
1: Well, it could have been. You're right. Well, another thing is he didn't call the Mowers and say, hey, after you left and it slowed down, I went back there looking for Chad and guess what? He's not here.
0: That son of a gun butter show up.
1: Yeah, because most people would have been like, Hey, he's not here. I tell and if you see him, tell him not to bring his sorry tail back over here. He's lost this job. I'm
0: pretty certain that they, they all checked. When the, when the Mowers got there, I mean, you think the parents of your worker are going to go, Hey, where's he at? Oh, he might be in the back and the parents aren't going to go. Could you go check for us?
1: Well, she even said, yeah, she even said she kind of looked in the back, but didn't want to like screw up his first couple of days on the job. So, but yeah, I would have been that way too. Hey, when you get a second, can you go look? We were just at the hardware shop and we wanted to see how he's doing.
0: We're at the it like I said, it's probably not the biggest store. And even if old was busy at the register, it's probably small enough to where he could turn around and go, Chad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) what's his name? (laughs) Um uh Ron White, when he says he gets on the PA and says, We only have one engine. He goes, and he could have just Oh, yeah, he Turned around and sense. said, "Hey, we only have one inch." <laughs>
0: yeah, I ran off some old pressure. That's what, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, like
1: he, so so I, don't, yeah I don't know.
0: That's suspicious to me. I'm not sure why that didn't get looked into further.
1: What's crazy is Dolly doesn't. I mean, she kind of says in some interviews that when she drove off, that mother's intuition kind of kicks in, but she doesn't get real worried until the next morning. And I guess my other thing, going back to old George, well, old George didn't call and say he's not at work again. Now, granted, he could have had the next day off, but he's gone for, what, three days before the Chicago police call?
0: Or, again, to give George the benefit of the doubt, he could have been pissed and been like, well, he's fired.
1: I don't care if he comes in or not. Yeah.
0: I don't care. If he comes in I'm, as soon as he walks in the door, I'm firing him. And he don't walk in the door, so he might assume he quit. That's more than a safe assumption
1: to me. All right. So the other theory is that Chad on his own went to Chicago and for the sole trip and purpose of purchasing dope. And so now-
0: now, now, we can just say that he went there on his own volition and we don't know exactly what he was going to do.
1: Well, no, I'm talking about there's a theory out there that he left, like he skipped work and like basically the this theory states that he came home, made himself two sandwiches and the reason he made himself two sandwiches is he was about to have a three-hour drive because he was not going back to the bike shop. He was driving to Chicago and buy a large quantity of dope. That makes you swallow the pill that chad's going to skip work on his second day drive his father's pristine mustang three hours to the south side of chicago and buy some dope either a he was getting dope for the shop owner which has a little bit of legs or like coach had said Chad in, encountered some foul play either not far from home and those guys drove him to Chicago or he drove to Chicago and encountered some foul play up there.
0: I mean, I think, and I'm not accusing him of any, anybody, but I, I think it makes more sense for he, for him to rush out of his house on his lunch break and be like, oh, man, I got so-and-so amount of time. I can go buy some weed or whatever. And I'll be, I'll just go back to work. And then something went wrong. But at the same time, if he was buying any drugs, maybe it was just for him to sell to his friends because he didn't have any drugs in his system.
1: Right. And one thing was that kind of along the same lines you just talked about was that he had just enough time that he was going to go buy some and he goes to his local guy and the guy's like, look, dude, I don't have anything, but I know where we can get it. If you want to drive, I pick it up in Chicago and then it gets to that's where the I get, you know, all of this is a gray area, but I would say that is where it gets the grayest because you are that's your kind of convergent point with did he meet with foul play there and they beat the shit out of him, take his car up there because he pissed him off or Did he get up there and this guy was thinking this white bread kid's got money? And then he's like, look, dude, I don't have shit on me. And then they beat the shit out of him up there. I don't know. The thing is, there's just as much evidence for all of our theories that we put out there as there is for this suicide theory, which is basically there's not any evidence of anything except he was found three hours away And we really don't know what he died of. Now, according to the police, the year before his murder, Chad acted as a drug courier on two separate occasions from his home outside Madison to Milwaukee. According to sources, these were people he knew. And that makes more sense for him to buy drugs that way than it is for him to go to Chicago to buy drugs.
0: Well, here's the thing. It's 1990. There is no mapquest. There is no Garmin. There is no Yahoo Maps. There's nothing. He's gonna have to. How knowledgeable can a 19 year old be of a the second largest, third largest city in the in the country? How knowledgeable of that city could you possibly be to be able to go on your own and find where you're going? Right. Even if somebody gave you direct directions. Yeah. I would... There's no way.
1: No, and I find it more plausible... he
0: busting out as Rand McNally.
1: <laughs> Maybe pulling over, putting it on the hood of that sweet 68. I found it... I Well, I find it more plausible if you believe that he was, according to these people, a courier from Madison to Milwaukee. That would be the quickest way and the easiest way for him to procure drugs. I just don't... I don't see him traveling to the south side of Chicago in Daddy's Mustang. Now, there are plenty of connections for drugs in Madison, and some nothing has ever come up to substantiate that somebody in Madison is behind all of this. The only very thin thread is that shop owner's shop getting shot up the week after he talks to the press and i i go back to that one reporter that said that at the time the drug addicts in chicago were the police's best snitches if anything went down and they got popped they would be like hey man i know about that white kid in that yellow mustang and then that's another thing i don't understand i don't i think it happened I think he was dumped in Chicago. That, I don't think it happened. I think he was dumped? I think he was dumped in Chicago. I think his body was staged in that garage. I think whatever happened to him happened before they actually get to Chicago. His friends could be covering for him, but I just don't believe Chad's this rural drug kingpin that, you know, is scoring large quantities of drugs, and he's lining up buyers. And Chad, I don't, I don't you know, he saved all this money to go to Colorado. I guess it's what I fall back on. So he's not like this middle America drug kingpin that's supplying everybody in his high school with marijuana or LSD. Weirder things out there is that you know he's this deviant mastermind drug dealer and he's got to go up there and get a big large score of drugs to make sure that he can keep all of his friends supplied and then he's going to take his part portion and then he's going to leave town and go to Colorado but you would have to almost take your savings that you already have for Colorado to buy said large quantity of drugs to then sell and I don't know I mean I'm Sure, it's plausible that people have done a lot of dumber shit, but and he's a 19 year old kid. Now, some of the oddities of how open his family was at the time a lot of people are crazy about this too. If you read that most families in the early 90s were doing their best to paint a rosy picture of their child while the mowers are up front, when the media asked them, mom comes out and goes, Yeah, we knew he smoked weed and tried LSD, but it's no big deal, he wasn't a bad kid. So they, on the Reddit, kind of say that Dolly and John knew that he was a drug dealer and that he was heavy into using drugs, and they're trying to cover and make his death seem like it was grander than it should be, which I find as stupid. Now, the other thing is... They wanted to know, a lot of people wanted to know if Chad was violent, had anybody made threats against Chad, did Chad make threats against someone else, and none of that could be substantiated. So, what actually happened to Chad Mauer? On the surface, the suicide theory sounds ridiculous, but Coach did put one out there where he may have just found himself, where he either, A, he couldn't, face the music when he got
0: home. If you're going to go with the suicide theory, I don't with the condition his body was in. I think the only plausible explanation is he got himself into something that he knew he could not get out of.
1: Yeah. And a couple of the questions is, you know, he could have died from an accidental death just as possible as he could have died from being murdered. He may have been carjacked and forced to drive to Chicago did he help some friend out and it's an emergency. I got to get to Chicago. And then he drove him up there and was attacked up there. Was he under the influence of other drugs? No, because the toxicology comes out and says, "Mm -mm, he didn't have anything in his system. So I don't know. You know, there was a thing that he was, and this kind of is thrown away. Once you read the toxicology, is one theory was that he was under the influence of other drugs while hanging out with friends and he goes to the garage to leave it's a little cold he goes and sees a cop walking you know walking down the street he's a little bit high so he starts the car to stay warm dozes off inadvertently which kills himself possible but again he would have had some other influencing drugs in his system when they did the toxicology report so that's kind of thrown out the window this one's a head scratcher because the toxicology report kind of throws away any drug or alcohol angle the carbon monoxide poisoning is like coach said they find it at seventy something percent, and if you attempt to kill yourself, four
0: seventy five percent.
1: Yeah, and if you attempt to kill yourself, it's usually around fifty to sixty percent. Now, supposedly, it may be in the unsolved mysteries thing in the reenactment. Dolly asks him if he's going to be out late, if he wants to take a jacket, and he says, "No, I don't need one." So then, that goes back to whose jacket is that? I just don't find it plausible for young Chad to drive all the way to Chicago and commit suicide, unless he drove up there with someone and something happened and he just could not bring himself to come back home. But I don't see this case ever really truly being solved. I mean,
0: I mean, I, I to me, I, I really. I'm going to stick with my something happened in Madison and they took him to Chicago.
1: That makes more sense than anything else.
0: Well, let me shoot holes in that myself is he if he was alive, what are they going to do, stuff him in his own trunk or?
1: Well, they could have had a weapon on him. I well, mean, they could have I mean, beat the shit out of him and then one of them had a weapon on him and just be like, "Look, man." Or the the whole thing can we use your car? And he's like, hell no, you can't use my car, but I'll drive you wherever you need to go. And they kind of lied to him about why they were going to Chicago.
0: Yeah. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I don't don't know.
0: I mean, it's, it just, it'd be so easy to say that he went to Chicago to buy drugs and got jumped and, and, and subsequently murdered, but it just doesn't make any sense that he would skip work that doesn't make any sense. Drugs don't have a drugs don't have a 9 to 5. You can go get drugs whenever. You're not going to come home for lunch. You know, tell your mom and dad you love them and then drive all the way to Chicago missing work to buy drugs. That just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No, I agree with you. I don't know, man. This one And
0: then if you say oil, oh, well, he he simply committed suicide. Nothing else happened. He just
1: decided to commit suicide.
0: You're going to drive three hours away in the middle of the day to commit suicide. And see, and that's
1: another thing that I didn't ever understand was why, if you really believe the suicide angle, why are you not looking at, was there anything around Madison? This sounds morbid, but was there not an area around Madison where that would have been a lot easier to do? Was there not like a bridge or a ravine or you know something like that and if you were going to do the the carbon monoxide thing you just run a hose back into the car if you don't have a garage so i don't i don't know i have a hard time swallowing any of it to be honest with you i just think
0: i'm fairly sure you can find a garage somewhere in madison
1: i'm pretty sure you can but i'm just saying let's just say on the offhand his parents didn't have a garage or they would hear that 68 running you know i just That's another thing. I don't buy the fact that he drove up there just to commit suicide. I don't either. So, but this one, I really don't have. That's about the only theory I can give you is I don't believe he drove to Chicago to commit suicide.
0: There's there's (laughs) several solid theories that could make sense, but they just don't. There's just too much. There's too many holes you can poke in each one. That's just like, okay, that's not, that didn't happen.
1: That toxicology report, man, really just kind of shatters the whole drug, him being on drugs and making bad decisions. I think the biggest thing would have been early on, if you could have figured out what happened between the time he left his parents' house, supposedly headed back to work for lunch, and the time his boss realizes he's not there. And I don't think you're going to get a straight answer out of old George. So those, you know, couple of hours, four or five hours, that's what's going to, I think, ultimately, would have ultimately led to the solving of this case. But I don't see this case ever being solved. I mean, short of a deathbed confession that we beat the crap out of this kid and drove him to Chicago, I don't, you know, I don't see it happening. So with that, we get into our recommendations. You want to go first coach? You want me to? Uh,
0: yeah, I actually have one this week. Um, oh, I'm going to recommend amazing. the Osbournes Want to Believe. Have you heard of this show? I've
1: heard of it, but I've never seen it.
0: It comes on the Travel Channel, and it's really good. Basically, the whole premise is Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon Osbourne sit in their chairs while Jack plays various paranormal clips. And then they rate them on how much they believe that it might be true. It's really, it's really, really good. It's really entertaining. You get to hear Ozzy like, oh, no, it's the best bullshit. (laughs) Like, that one right there. He calls everything, everything ball lightning. You show a clip of Bigfoot and he goes, oh, that's ball lightning.
1: (laughs) Ozzy calls everything
0: ball lightning? Yeah. He's like, oh, that's. It's ball of lightning. He's like, Dad, it's it's a clip of Sasquatch. Dad, it's, it it's really, it can't, really entertaining. It can't I like beat it a lot.
1: Ball lightning. Well, I am going to absolutely destroy this. But if you've never seen it, it's something to behold. In the southeastern part of Finland, there is a balancing rock, and it's rooted in finnish folklore as to how these two rocks and when you see a picture like there's no way but no really they they're balanced on each other it is the kumakivi balancing rock kumakivi balancing rock some of the theories about how that's put there are comical but some of them make you scratch your head so get on the old google machine type in the balancing rock in southeast finland You'll have yourself a good time. Coach, you got anything else? I do not. So from the bowels of the basements, we bid you deuces.